Well, <clears throat> this episode today is brought to you by no sponsorship because I have no sponsors. <laughs> Sad to be funny. I had to be funny. Uh, swig of Milo's sweet tea, zero sugar sweet tea. Where the working man? That shit is delicious. All right. So if you're new to this program, my name is Shelby Green. I am the host of this show, obviously, Conversation with Shelby Green, and I am here. Let me run down you what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about my Louisville football and basketball teams. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers having a great weekend, somewhat. We're going to talk a little Survivor Series. I got some fan questions, finally. And uh, I believe that's all I got to talk about. But we're going to roll with that. So, And also talk about some... Um, well, it's awesome. We got some box to talk about as well. But we're going to start it off. I want to thank everyone who downloaded last week's show. I want to thank everyone who's led this. We are at 800. Last time I checked, we were at 816 downloads. Pretty impressive. Um, I'm very happy with what we're doing with the program, and I appreciate you guys' support. Um, before I get into it, before I'm going to talk about a uh, little, little football to start this off, and I'm going to let you guys know. Um, I try to tone my language down, even though I do cuss a little bit on here. As I roll my eyes with a wink, that a little bit. But I have very. Um, I'm gonna unleash a little bit here. So if you want to, you can turn this off. I appreciate you download. But if you want to come back later and listen to it, give me about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and uh, I'm gonna get this over with right now. Louisville got beat by Kentucky over the weekend. I'm gonna rephrase that. Louisville got uh, Louisville gave Kentucky a game. I'll give you that. Um, I can say that. Uh, with every tone in my voice and every regularity. I thought for sure what Louisville was going to do. I thought they are going to – and I was halfway right. I said they're going to run the ball down their throat. They're going to beat them up defensively. They're going to get stops, and they're going to win this game by two touchdowns. I really thought that. I even said 20 points. And let's see. Louisville goes in a half up 10-7, come out, score on the opening drive, 17-7. Then they come back on the next position, kickoff return, and two officials miss, official missed two holding calls on a 103-yard kickoff return. By the way, SEC officials calling an ACC and SEC game. Hmm, who the figure that? Then um, turns around, we come back down, we score again. We give up another uh, – we give up two big plays that lead to a touchdown. Come back down. They get it stopped. We get a stop. Then we go back on the next possession. Jaws is run. Uh, Jawar Jordan run the ball. Six minutes to go in the third quarter. Fumbles the ball. Kentucky gets the ball on the next drive. Got Kentucky on fourth and one. Had Ray Davis tackle in the backyard, back, uh, backyard five yards behind the line. He fucking slip. Ellerman slips up and he falls forward for a first fucking down. They get a field goal. Next play down, we, instead of a three and out like I thought we would have got, we were going to get. Plummer fumbles the ball. We score a touchdown. Then we come down, we tie it up, and then Kentucky wins the deal with a walk-off touchdown one a minute ago, and we lose the game. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. For all the UK fans that have been messaging me and talking to me, you can all kiss my ass, and I mean that very politely. We gave that fucking game away, just like Charlie Strong gave us game his first game away years ago. Stoops can talk all the bullshit he wants. He knows he escaped with a win. He knows it. This ain't, he's done a great job, but it's not an SEC team. Yeah, you're right. We're not an SEC team. We're not fourth in our fucking division in the East Division. And we actually have more power six wins than you do this year against more competitive teams, too. Because we're the only competitive team you got to win against this year, unfortunately. It's your rival. And but yeah, before, before I get this over with, too, 
Jeff Brom, I'm a fan of. I love Jeff Brom. I'm glad he's here. But, man, he dropped the ball with this one with some conservative play calling. We should have threw the ball a little bit more, I thought. And we he did he had a game plan. The game plan was working. Long to stable drives, beat him up, worn him out. Because I really I guarantee it. Louisville comes down on that. If Gerard Jordan does not fumble that ball at the end of the first quarter, we go in with fourth quarter momentum. We come down, we get seven, that and we get one stop, the game's over. Because we gotta stop it before that. We get a stop, this game's over. Um, I really mean this too. I keep hearing um about the plumber shit. I got into it with a guy on Twitter. He literally got in his feelings. A guy that I've had a reasonable conversations with, no problem with. He got a little loud on Twitter. I told him, hey, man, relax. He kept throwing the word buddy around. I said, hey, I ain't your buddy. Calm down, man. Take a chill pill. He says, then get off my line. And before I can respond back, he blocked me. So that's pretty pathetic, I thought. Um... After the game, Justin Saffiro, a bald-headed radio host for ESPN Louisville Radio, I think, um, made a, a stupid-ass tweet about how um, I like Jeff Brown and all, but as long as the Louisville, Louisville alumni and fa- or something stupid like that, Louisville Athletic Department is okay with losing Kentucky. They're okay with mediocrity with Kenny Payne. Threw Kenny Payne into it as well. And I really quote tweeted and said, man, take a lap, Justin, for real. He blocked me. And then I called his ass out about how he he called Kenny Payne a cancer on live radio before the season started. And he says he has no personal, he has no personal issue with Kenny Payne, but for a guy that used to throw the word cancer around for a human being, and I have a big fucking problem with that since my mother and my grandmother died of cancer. And anybody who knows me know my mother and I didn't have a great relationship. We made peace before she passed away, but that's a little too personal for us to talk about. But still, she's gone. She lost her life to cancer. People lose lives to cancer. So, Justin Safrell, if you ever hear this, you're a piece of shit, and I wholeheartedly mean that too, bub. Thank you very much. And, um... And you can say whatever. I mean, you're a piece of trash. You called a man cancer, and I said what I said, and I mean what I say. Take a lap. You're being dramatic. You like clicks and follows, and that's what you do. And you're the reason why Louisville me- people like you give Louisville media a bad name. Then after the game, Nick Coffey goes out there, puts a tweet out about how this is Kenny Payne's birthday, and Nick was kidding and joking around. I know he was kidding, but people took advantage of that and said, well, this is the reason why we lost. It was Kenny Payne's birthday. People ran with that. You know, it's funny. Nobody was on Brom's ass because he's winning games. But my God, Louisville's men's come from behind against a not great New Mexico State team. I prompt, I'm i pretty sure about that. But come back with a minute 18 to go, down eight points, come back and win this game, win that game, <clears throat> win a game in overtime. <clears throat> and there's more negativity out of that. But Jeff Brom's 10-2 and, and nobody's going to say a word about it. Um... I will mean this from the bottom of my heart. If I had a Kentucky fan in front of me, I'd, say, shake your, I'd shake his hand and say, hey, congratulations, we gave you a game. And they can like what I – and here's the thing. Louisville's going to go this weekend to, to Charlotte, North Carolina. They're going to beat Florida State. And they're going to win the ACC title. They're going to play the Orange Bowl. They're probably going to play Ohio State or Michigan in the Orange Bowl. They probably are. I don't think the season's a waste. Because we if we would have beat Kentucky and we beat Florida State. We're not going to get into college football player. We weren't going to get in. That loss to Pittsburgh. Think about this. Louisville's two losses this year, they gave them away. To Pittsburgh and Kentucky. Two lesser teams. They kicked Notre Dame's ass. They beat everybody. And that's what it is. And I know what's coming for Louisville. I know what the, the mood is. 
Um, Kentucky fans are naive and stupid that they think that Mark Stoops was not going to leave Kentucky for A&M. Now, I'll tell you what happened. Mark Stoops got a deal for an A&M. He was going to sign, and the A&M fans said, uh-uh, not happening. You are not coming here. And the A&M fans lost their fucking mind. Said, no, this guy, he's not winning games like he's supposed to. Blah, 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 blah. And that's what it is. And what happened? What happened? Of course it happened. He got the deal, got pulled, and everything else. So Stoops was going to leave you guys. Just want to let you know that. And I can hear right now, well, that, you, y'all probably won the hell. No, I didn't want that. I want to beat Stoops' asses. I know we should have won that game. We should have won that game Saturday. And turnovers and a couple calls went on the opposite way. We lost the game. We gave that game away. I don't care what anybody says. You can call me a sore loser. You can call me full of shit. You can say blah, blah. I am not changing my fucking opinion on it. We gave that game away. It is what it is. Let's regroup. Like I tweeted to the players on that team, those guys didn't play. They played their asses off. You know, Ron English made a couple bonehead plays on some directions. Like, why do we have a linebacker coming covering a running back out of the backfield? You know, this comes back to Statterfield's recruiting. The two guys that made big plays outside of Ray Davis for Kentucky was Weaver and that, that Titan who caught that first 40-yard bomb from Leary. Those guys are from Louisville Mel High School. That was big because Bobby Petrino and Jeff Bron- um, Bobby Petrino and Scott Satterfield, excuse me, refused to recruit the city of Louisville. Petrino stopped doing it for whatever reason. I don't know why. And it took a guy like Brom. And you realize when Brom got the job, a lot of guys are flipping. So that, that tide's turning. That tide's going to turn. And it's going to turn. We all know what's going to happen. We all know what can happen. The University of Louisville. Um, we all know. The University of Louisville had a great year. Had a great year. Um, we all know they had a great year, a 10-2 and two record. I really thought Louisville would probably win 10 games by their bowl game. I thought they'd be an 8-win team, and they would win 8 or 9 wins, and they go in the bowl game. I really thought that. I thought looking at our schedule. And what did Louisville do? They went 10-2 and two except the one time. And that's what it is. Plain and simple. And I don't give two shits about. I don't give two shits what Kentucky fans say. I don't care. Matt Jones and J.R. Sturible or whatever his name is, Big Red, Big Dog, whatever the hell his name is, can say what he wants to say. They they know back in mind. We escaped with a win. We escaped. They get they gave us that game. They know it. They know it. Hardly. You know, you talk shit about Jack Harlow all they want, but my God, Matt Jones is kissing his ass. When he goes, wow, we give uh, Jack a bunch of shit, but he shows love to stay Kentucky. Fuck you. My God. Give me a fucking break. It is what it is, though, man. It sucks. I mean, I'm down about it. Fuck, man. We had him. We had him. Five years in a row. You know, Kentucky was back our five-year streak. How about that 10 out of 12 years we were whooping your ass? You want to talk about that? Exactly. Nobody wants to talk about that shit. And I'll tell you right now, Kentucky since 1977 or 78, they've had two 10-win seasons. Louisville's had, I don't know, twice, three, four, five, six times amount of that too. So which one's a better program? Changes next year, Louisville kicks their ass, plain and simple. 
And I'm staring 10 toes down. That shit, buddy. Like that one guy told me. So that being said, as I keep going with this. I went to the Louisville game yesterday with my family. Had a family day. Louisville played like shit starting off offensively. Didn't guard nobody defensively. Got on a little bit of run. Didn't really play well. Minute 18 or down 8 points. I'm sitting there going, they're going to be 2-4. and four. They're going to lose this fucking game. I can't believe it. And literally, they turned – something happened. They got a bounce. They got another bounce. Got a three by Trey White. Got an overtime and won the game. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. I'm happy we got the win. I'm mar- I'd rather win a game than lose a game any day of the week. I mean, I'm always going to be that way. I'm not very happy with – I'm not very happy with the whole um, disarray of of this whole – the negativity. I mean, fans have got their opinion. We've been – Louisville fans have been eight, through eight years of bullshit. We've been through some shit, man, and it sucks. But I'm going to let you know right here and right now, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Everybody knows this, and I mean this. To become what we once were and to be question yourself as a fan sometimes, you got to go through some bad shit. I thought as a little fan, going through a couple NCAA tournament years, bouncing out of the first round back-to-back years like Rick, Rick Pitino did in 2010-2011, I thought that was rough. This is rough. Um, I'm sick and tired of the negativity. I'm sick and tired of all the bullshit. I want Louisville to win, but I'll be honest with you, it took everything I had not to snap in the Yum Center with some fans because some fans get on my nerves. And there's a guy that tweeted that I tweeted that there's never once when I go to the fans, none, there's no fans in the arena booing or anything else. He's lying. That that fan that I comment, you can go through my Twitter at it happened 2013. Look at the guy's lying through his teeth. He's lying. Plain and simple, he's lying because. Straight up, the guy is lying. He is lying. Because I heard some things they were saying as they were leaving, which counts. They're in the bowl of the arena. It counts. Her guys at concession crying, talking about they would they want to set up a GoFundMe to get Kenny Payne out of town. There was guys talking shit about players, how they don't play hard enough, even though they never probably dribbled a ball a day in their life. And it's just like, where do you guys get off with this shit? Where do y'all get off with this shit talking all this crap about the university, about the basketball team? You know, everybody wants to, and here's another thing. I'm not, you know, everybody wants to apply racism now with things. Everybody wants, and I'm sick of that crap too. The KP Mafia bullshit, the Maven Mafia. I'm like, my God, can we stop? Can we fucking stop? Like, Jesus Christ, can we fucking stop? My God. Like, every time I hear, I'm just so sick of the negativity. You know, Nick Coffey makes a joke about it being Kennedy Payne's birthday today. Kentucky loses, uh, loses to Kentucky. And people run with it and make it a bigger than what it is. It's like, my God, he was fucking joking. Jesus Christ. And it is what it is. I'm just sick of it, man. Trey White, J.J. Trainer, and, and uh, Sky Clark all had 20 points apiece. First time and since 2014 or 2016 that's happened in Louisville, three guys scored 20 points. 
Um, people are laughing about it, saying they want Kenny Payne fired because of a win like that. Wins don't like that happen. To the fan that was sitting next to me when I was clapping and cheering that they're going to win this game, I was clapping and cheering my ass off for them. Um, the guy says, well, this ain't you, Con. But I said, well, there was a guy next to me. I want to apologize because I did kick a – I want to apologize. I did smart off a little bit to some people, and I did lose my cool little bit with some people because they were getting on my fucking nerves. But I was losing my patience with these guys. I'm sitting going like, these guys are better than this. This is bullshit. I did kick the chair in front of me, but nobody was in it. I lost my cool. Then, of course, the guy next to me, when I was stand-up clapping, said the exact words as I was clapping, said, good job, fight back and get a win. I'm not happy with the results, but they should have blew these guys out. I said that. This guy next to me goes, this ain't UConn. I don't know why you're clapping. This is New Mexico State. We should beat these guys by 40 points. And I literally looked at him and said, yep, yeah, but you know I'm going to cheer them on because they need to learn how to win. I looked at him right and I clapped even hard and looked right at him. And he said a little another thing underneath his voice that I'm going to let it go. He said something else that I'm not going to talk about because all it's going to do is piss me off and it wants me to think about what I what what I wanted to do because I was pissed because you don't get nothing in your business. Stay. I'm not talking to you. You're not talking to me. Stay away from me. You know what I mean? My kid's there. Watch your mouth. Shut up. Plan simple. That's my fantasy group football text messages going up. And it is what it is on that. And that's what it is. Um, I'm happy with a win. We got Bellarmine Wednesday night. We should whoop their ass. And then we go Saturday, go to Blacksburg, Virginia, play Virginia Tech in a cage down there. Because anybody knows Blacksburg, Virginia, it's a, those kids are going to be rocking and rowdy. It's going to be tough. Um, I think they're going in the right direction with things. Like Jim Beheim said the other day on the State of 68 podcast, he said it best. He needs time. Kenny Payne needs three years. He's doing an old school rebuild. He's not going through portal. He's going to develop guys. He's getting high class character guys. And you got to realize these guys are young. Outside of JJ Turner and Brendan Hilly Hatfield, those, there's not. There's all everybody else is freshman sophomores. We are very young. The Karan Davis thing. I'm a little annoyed about that. I think that it should be addressed here soon. Um, I want to see Karan play. What can he do? I don't know what happened. Um, I think. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson should be starting for us. I think Tyler and Sky Clark in the backcourt is really good. I think you go with that. I think Trey White, Mike James is going to fill it up, and I think uh, Huntley's your five. Uh, the problem is you don't want to go too small. I think Tyler will be an energizer bunny, which I call him the energizer. I think he's going to come off the bench with energy and play a lot of minutes. I think J.J. Trainer plays well coming off the bench. Dennis Evans, I think a lot of people are starting to question what's going on with him. I think Dennis Evans is a year away from being what he is going to be. I think Dennis Evans, by midseason, you'll see strides. He's got to move his feet a little bit better, and he's got and he's got to put some weight on. He's got to grow his body. Once Dennis Evans grows in his body with that length and that talent, the world is his. Dennis Evans has got a lot of talent, and I'm looking at him going, mm-hmm. yeah, I see it. You see in spots. Um, Huntley Hatfield did not play well yesterday. First time all year he did not play well, and it could have been costly. Um, I will state this. Uh, Mike James, did, the last three games, has not played well offensively, but defensively he played his ass off yesterday and he rebounded well. J.J. Trainer brought energy. J.J. Trainer in all these last three games has brought energy. He's played well. Actually, I'd be honest, J.J. Trainer's played well in every game we've played this year. Maybe outside the Chattanooga game, but every game he's played well this year. He's played. Um... I also look at um, uh, Sky Clark. I love. I think he puts his ass off, and I think things are clicking. You look at his first three games. Somebody put out a tweet that he was playing hard, didn't play the most uh, well. 
you look at um uh what was it um uh trying just dribbling oh Trey White about back to Scott Clark I'm sorry I I drew a blank my phone's going off I'm about to turn it off actually it's getting on my nerves um. You look at um Sky um Sky Clark, his first three games, he's averaged like eleven points a game. He was shooting, he was like I think it was like as I my computer locked up, excuse me one moment. As Sky Clark was and as Sky Clark um Sky Clark was um uh, he was playing horrible his first three games. I think he was averaging 11 points per game. He was shot, he shot like three of eight from the free throw line. Actually, I'm gonna pull a tweet up right now because it's. Excuse me, one moment, guys. I'm looking up some stuff. Sorry about that. I got distracted. I was answering a text message. I apologize. But I'm going to look for this tweet real quick. And where is it at? Sky, 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 sky. Where you at, buddy? Where you at? Where you at? Where's your tweet? Tweet, 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 tweet. Now I tweeted a lot. Oh, here it is. So his first three games, Zach Greenwell tweeted. Good job on this coverage. First three games, Sky Clark was 11 points per game. He was 0-8 from three-point range. He was 7-13 from the free throw line. His last three games, 22.7 points per game, 8-19 from the three-point line, 24-28 from the free throw line. That's big. That's big. That That's huge. That is huge. And I am very, very, very uh, happy with that. For Louisville to be successful this year and for them to win 20-plus games, get back to the tournament, and this is just my opinion as a fan. I've never coached a day in my life. As a fan watching the game for 20 years, I think I could put a little input on it um, as a fan perspective. I would go with, you got they're not a jump shooting team. Those three-point shots will fall eventually. I don't know what's going on. They're struggling right now from deep. I think they got shooters. I think Curtis Williams is a knockdown three-point shooter. The guy's got Allen Houston smoothness to his game. He's got some smoothness. I like Williams a lot. Um, I think Sky Clark is a, is, a, is showing that he can shoot the ball. I think J.J. Trainer can knock threes down. I think Trey White is a guy that can hit a three when you need one, but not consistently, if that makes any sense. Mike James is a corner specialist. He's got to take more shots. He he passed on a couple uh, corner threes, too. He was questioning himself a little bit. He was in his head yesterday. I watched that. Tyler, I think he, Tyler Johnson, I think he's looking more to get guys involved, but I think he he's shot a couple threes that weren't bad, were pretty bad shots, but at the same time, I think he's showing he can stretch his range up. I think Brinley Hunley Hatfield can is a pick-and-pop big that can hit some shots from the perimeter. 
Outside of that, we really don't have a lot of shooting. That's I just named off the guys that can shoot the ball that's in the perimeter. I think what they're going to have to do is what they did yesterday. They got to be a downhill team. They got to pick. They got to go. They got to create momentum. They got to drive the ball to the rim and create contact. They're going to score a lot of points off the free throw line. They got to get teams in foul trouble. And defensively, when Louisville locks in defensively, the three point line, they've they got they've so far ever since that Chattanooga game, they've shut the three point line down down in the last four games. They've done a great job of that. But we're getting killed in the paint. That's got to be yours. Now, that's on Dennis Evans, and I think Emmanuel Okafor can help us out with that too. But they have got to lock in. If we can crash the offensive glass, switch our defense, and continue to get stops, I think Louisville is in great position to get back in things. They can't be. They're not a jump shooting team. Now, I think Trey White in between. Trey White didn't. There's one thing I saw Trey White not do yesterday that really bugged me, and he didn't. He waited the overtime to do it was. That little gets the ball, one dribble between the legs, pull-up jump shot he's got. He draws fouls on that. Take advantage of that shit. You ever realize every time Trey, like, like I've seen people online, uh, Twitter, were giving Trey White hell. You got to live with Trey White. Trey White will miss his first four or five shots. Will miss your first four or five shots. And then all of a sudden, he's made three in a row, and you don't even fucking like, oh, my God, wait a minute. What, what's he shooting? Oh, he's three of eight? What? And you realize, like, wait a minute, he's just warming up. Um, we got a lot of guys that can play. Louisville's talent level's better. I mean, you look at the guys transferred last year, there's not a guy average more than eight points per game. Mm. Mm. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, talent-wise. Mm. Ah. It, was, it was Kenny Payne's coaching. No, it was talent. I kept telling people it was the talent. Look, outside of all these guys leaving, what one guy has stood out for Louisville? And let's go back to when Kenny Payne first got a job. What has Matt Cross done? What has Sam Williamson done? What has who's some of our guys have left? I'm trying to think of. There's a lot of guys. What what has Dre Davis done? What has Day Davis done? What is um Frederick Frederick King that went to Creighton? What have they done? Ah, that's right. So and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a couple guys that are, that are doing something. But I, I haven't seen anything that pop up my line because I'm pretty sure there are some little fans out there that will let us know what they're doing. We gotta ride with this. If Kenny Payne has a winning season, bar not even making the tournament, if they have a winning season, he's going to get a third year, and you can build off that. Now, I want to make the tournament and win a game in the tournament, and I think, okay, we are making progress. That's progress to me as a Louisville fan. Now, Louisville's thing is getting to the Final Four, winning national titles. That's the expectation of Louisville. That's what it is, and it always will be that. But I'm not going to sit there and bash these guys and run these guys in the ground and everything else and not beat the living hell out of that program. Because that's not what we, that's not what fans do. Our fan base is toxic. Louisville's fan base is very, very toxic. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. And that's what it is. They are toxic and they will always be toxic. And that's what it is. And I mean that. I, it, it shows you how much win is. Brom laid an egg. Well, Brom laid an egg. But, I mean, Louisville lost that game. Lost that game to Kentucky last week. And no, I didn't see anybody on Jeff Brom's ass. Let Kenny Payne get beat by Kentucky. And they'll point out every negative thing because he's not winning. Winning solves everything. And that shows you how, how irritating it is to listen to this fan base cry, moaning, bitch. It irritates the living hell out of me because we're better than this. We are better than this. 
I'm sick. Of, everybody says they're not going to come to Yum no matter what. They start winning games or start showing up. But my God, the moment they lose the game, oh my God, they lost another one. Kenny Payne is going to turn it around. I truly believe if he doesn't, he'll be gone. Those kids came to Louisville to play for the University of Louisville, but they came to be coached by that staff and Kenny Payne. Everybody acts like they don't know what the staff is going. I was there at the game, and I was set up ten rows behind the coaching, the coaching's the, the by the behind the bench. I'll never do it again because those seats sucked, in my opinion. And I watched those guys, and I saw what they were doing, and I saw the energy, the effort. I saw these guys, listener coaches, respond. That Bob Valvano tweet that he put out about players that listened to the press and they ignored him, the next time down, and I know Bob Bob also applauds. He actually he does the right thing. He critiques him, but he also applauds him, does, gives him favors. He does a great job. I'm not critiquing Bob. I've never not Bob Valvano. I love Bob. But they came down next play, and you can see Danny Manning when those two players went back to the sideline. Danny Manning got in their ass. That coaching staff coaches these kids. They coach them hard, but you just don't see it. Because we're used to seeing Rick Pitino lose his fucking mind on the sidelines, and I miss that. I get it, but it's a different time. These guys are different. They're always going to be different. And it is what it is. So that's what it is. And I will continue to say that. You gotta let this thing ride. I know four and twenty is horrible. I get it. I had a, there's some idiot out there that tweeted I, the way he handled the press conference after the uh, when he said he tricked me, which was blown way out of proportion. What it was, he said I would have fired him right then and there. Yeah, that's why you're working. You work a nine to five or do something else. And you're sitting at home or you're retired. This or whatever you are. Like some of y'all just need to sit there, get on your Call of Duty, sit there, cuss everybody out on Call of Duty, and just leave it alone. Just let us watch. And like there's one guy that I agree with all the time. You know, he constantly, there's people, and it's not just him, but I'm just pointing out, there's other guys. If Kenny Payne really cared about the program, he resigned today. No, Kenny Payne cares enough that he's going to get through this. I talked to a couple of alumni guys that have been there. I talked to Larry O'Bain, who I got a picture with last week. Larry, if you ever hear us, I appreciate you so much for that photo. But Larry said, I've been in, I've been in the gym. These guys are fighting, they're learning, they're growing, they're young, man. By midseason, we're going to really see what they are. And this team can be really dangerous. I don't think they're going to be they're going to be a team that you're going to look up like they just beat this team. All Kenny Payne needs to do is get that first signature win, and people will start start to ease back. Like, wait a minute, they got this. They got to hold up. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to beat Kentucky. I think they're a year away from that, or two at least. I think they're I think they're a year away. I don't know. But I think if they come off winning six in a row, like I think they're going to, when they beat Bellarmine Wednesday night, they beat Vitek, and they get to be eight and three going in that game December twenty first. Hey man, how would that be for Kenny Payne to get his first signature win as the University of Louisville's coach against your rival? How and a guy that he was the assistant on that everybody thought was the reason why John Calipari was winning games. And let's be honest, ever since Kenny Payne's left, John Calipari's struggled recruiting. Now, he had the he had a great class that came in final this year. But you look at the guys he brought in after Kenny left. It wasn't the same. It wasn't. So Kenny Payne was, in fact, a raw reason why they won those games. John obviously won those games. But I'm, you know what I'm saying. I'm not trying to start that whole debate. I'm just saying, like, look at the facts. And you listen to what Kentucky players say about Kenny Payne. I mean, when you got Kentucky players coming back saying how he's going to be successful no matter where he goes... Um, let's be honest. That Kentucky, that Louisville, no, like Louisville alumni, and I guarantee Josh Hurd's watching. I guarantee he's going to practice, and he sees improvement. Last year, these guys flat out quit on Kenny Payne. You can see in New York City. And there's another thing. 
People want to point the finger and blame the fans are the problem. Well, they're not the whole problem, but they're part of the problem. Because we need, as a, and I've been to two games this year. I'm sick and tired of seeing the empty seats. I want to see at least, I love to see ten to 12,000 people in the Yum Center. Just to start the support. Let me tell you something. In MSG, there was a crowd there, and they were rocking, and those guys came to play. Having people there supporting you matters. I don't go to my kid's game. He might have a bag because I'm not there to support him if I'm sick or whatever. But when I'm there, he knows, man, my my dad's my stepdad's there. I got to be there. I got to play hard. I got to play hard. I got to be there. I got to play hard for him because he knows he's, he's there. To, he's taking time to see me play. It matters when you go to support somebody. People treat the Louisville Cardinals program, all athletes, like it's part of their family. I'm that way. I was raised in this. I always say I was raised to be a Louisville fan. I wasn't raised to do anything else. I've always said that. That was my number one priority growing up was no matter how hard my father struggled, no matter how hard he worked two jobs and my grandmother was there all the time to keep an eye on us because my dad was working all the time, but he was always there when we needed him and he was always there. There's one consistent thing we had in our household. Cable television, professional wrestling on the screen, and Louisville Cardinal basketball. And it's that plain and simple. And people wonder why I'm so passionate because I've grown up with this. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones, man. I can feel it. I want these guys to win so well. And I popped out of my, for four minutes that second, the final segments, I thought to myself, they're going to lose this game. And when Trey White hit that three at the top of the key, I came unglued and I was the loudest guy in the Yum Center. My hands were beat red and were sore because I was clapping so hard. And that's a fact. That is a fact. That's a fact. I don't understand, and I never will understand. Fan logic, we have every right to be upset, but some of the things that are said on Twitter, it's really stupid. And it's on both sides. I mean, the, the, the you know, there's people out there that's on the opposite side of things that say some really dumb things. I'm like, that makes no fucking sense. But as a fan of the University of Louisville, and I will continue to support the University of Louisville. And that's a fact. They're going to win Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at Bellarmine. I'll be over at my dad's watching the game before I go to work. And then we got a game Saturday against Blacksburg. Now, back to Louisville football. I'm going to watch them Saturday night against Florida State go win an ACC championship game and compete for it. And I mean this. This week, we will have a good week. Sunday, it started with a rough Louisville win. I'll take it. Wednesday, we get what we need to do. We need to kick Bellarmine's ass and make a statement like, this ain't your city. Don't get ever twisted again. Saturday afternoon, we go down to Blacksburg. We're going to play in a tough game, even though they got beat by Florida Atlantic. And I got their ass beat. But it's going to be a tough environment to go down and win. It's just a conference point. They're going to come to play, and Louisville cannot get behind in that game. You cannot let a team like that that got beat by 30 points get momentum. Louisville has to stay in this game and win on the road. they got to win on the road. And then Louisville's going to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, up the road from Blacksburg, Virginia, and get a win against Florida State, and we're going to be ACC champions. That's what's going to happen. Now, I'm going to quit talking about Louisville. I'm going to calm down, quit cussing so much. I'm going to pull back a little bit, relax. And that's what I'm going to do.
and that's what's going to happen. And we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I've been negative about the Steelers lately and uh, been very hard on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They fired Matt Canada last week. That was a start. I Like I said before, I've called for Canada's job, but I'll be honest with you, you got to produce results. Um, I wish him no harm or foul, but I think he just needs to – it just wasn't the job for him. That being said, as I pull up the Steelers' stats – As I pulled up the Steelers stats from yesterday. Kitty Pickett, 24-33, 278, sacked twice, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Najee Harris, 15 carries, 99 yards. Jalen Warren, 13 carries, 49 yards. Kenny Pickett, 5 carries for 5 yards. I think that's because of some sacks and some kneel downs. Firebooth, back from injury, targeted 11 times, 9 receptions, a buck 20. George Pickett, targeted 5 times, 3 catches for, for 58 cents. Deontay Johnson target eight times for for talk about Deontay in a minute four four catches for fifty cents. Jalen Ward target three times three catches for thirteen cents. Allen Robinson one catch for one for for eleven cents. Cameron Hayward target twice two catches for a buck for fit, eleven cents. And Darnell Washington with ten with a reception for ten cents. And Calvin Austin uh, actually I'll take it back. Darnell Washington <clears throat> a catch for a dime. And Calvin Austin catch for a nickel. See what I did there? You like that, y'all? Oh, and uh, Najee Harris had the game, the game, the game touch, the game win touchdown. Um, I will state this, and also for the first time since 2020, the Pittsburgh Steelers had 400 over 400 yards total offense. They had 268 for the year and 153 through the ground. Now they only scored 16 points. That that's got to be adjusted. But to get a win against divisional rivals, big. And that's what it is. I mean, they got to win against divisional rival. And also, I want to tell you this: the Cleveland Browns celebrate your Super Bowl win just to lay an egg, like you did this past weekend. Love it. Stewart's back in place in the second division. Now they're second place in the division because the the Broncos, who I think are turning it on, or nobody's talking about Denver. They're nobody's talking about them, man. They're playing well right now. It's starting to work. Scheduling. Um, now you look at the Steelers' next three games, because I talked about this five-game stretch. They need to at least go five and one in the uh, these next five games. The next five-game stretch, they need to go four and one. Arizona at home, New England at home. Those two teams are rebuilding. They're tanking. We ought to win those games at Indianapolis, which is going to be an, it's going to be a fist fight. The Colts are playing well, <coughs> and then they got. <coughs> That five-game stretch, they'll be five and one. I really believe the four-one. Then their final three games of the year: Cincy at home, at Seattle, at Baltimore. So this is what they need to do, and this is my opinion. The Steelers just got—they play like they did yesterday, but they got to put points on the board. They had some penalties that, that, that just did not sit well. They had a couple penalties that. You know, just irked my nerves. I mean, they got to get the, the penalty thing. They had five penalties, but they got to get that under control. The Steelers have got to keep running the ball. The running game's working. It's working. 
Najee, and all by the way, can we stop with the Najee Harris slander for God's sakes? I mean, Najee has been beaten into the fucking ground. But what the he sucks, he sucks. I don't know. Najee Harris is the reason why we won the game. Because Najee Harris got the game win, got the the, the the touchdown that we needed to get up ahead on the guys. So it is what it is. Um that being said, I'm happy with the results. Um Anytime beat the Bengals, I know the Bengals are beat up, but outside, we, our defense did a great job. Joe, Joe Mixon only eight carries for 16 yards, so that means a lot that the defense the defense played with some energy yesterday, and hopefully that's a good sign of things. Got an interception, got a sack. Steelers defense was on point yesterday. I know they gave up a touchdown, but outside of that, they did they they played great, man. So they did what they're supposed to do, and that makes me very very happy. And that's a fact with the Steelers. They're in fifth place in the AFC right now. I'm very, very happy with that. Now, we're going to talk about Survivor Series. Now, okay. Now, I've been reading some text messages and stuff as I'm going. i got to get focused. I'm sorry about this, guys. Um, Survivor Series. I had planned to do a Facebook Live review on the Conversation with Shelby Green Facebook page. You should go follow that page now. What Pride, my buddy Trip, a.k.a. Price, a.k.a. Trip, call me Trip, whatever you want to call him. Whatever happened was... For some odd reason, my um, my um, I I got on live. I was getting on live. I tried to send Price an invite. I couldn't find him in my thing. Price had already liked my stuff, so he was trying to get on there too. And it, for whatever reason, Facebook Live was not allowed. And actually, half my followers were were only allowed on there, which was weird. I had Brandy, my girlfriend, look at. She couldn't understand it either. She runs the page, and she didn't understand what's going on. So. I want to apologize for that, guys. I was really looking forward to getting that out there. I did put a status out last night about it. Now, Survivor Series, I'm going to give you a full review the best way I can. I plan on breaking things down with price. Um, Chicago, the Rosemont Horizon. They call it the All-Star Arena, but it's the Rosemont Horizon for me, where they were at last night. 17,000 people, they said, love the stage design. I think WWE should listen to their fans and do the old those old stage designs. Because it looks better on screen when you got an atmosphere arena filled up to the max like that. Um, and uh, plain and simple, um, Survivor Series I thought was a pretty good show. And back to what I was saying about the arena. I think when you create that tunnel, it shows it's better on TV when you can you can pan the fans that are back the entrance ways. They're clapping, they're cheering and stuff. Um only five matches on the card. A three hour event again. Time was great. Um gonna break down the matches a little differently. Obviously we gotta talk about the surprise at the end and we gotta talk about some other things to deal with this. But I will state this. The university I'm university, I'm sorry. Ugh, Survivor series. Um, Chicago was live. I've been to Chicago twice for wrestling events. There's no city like it in the in the world for professional wrestling, in my opinion. Where I've been, I've been to, and I ain't been to a lot of places, but I've been to enough to know like Chicago is the hotbed for wrestling. Chicago is just everything. That being said, opening match was the War Games women match, the four on four women's with Damage Control and uh, uh, Bianca's team with Charlotte, Shanti, and um, Becky Lynch. 
I thought it was okay. Uh, I wasn't. I knew. I saw damage control getting beat. I like what they're doing. The whole. Uh, some there were some spots in the match I really liked. A um, couple spots I popped on the. Um, I love how. No woman dived off the top. Uh, Charlotte's moonsault off the top of cage was pretty cool. I like how she tried to get a pinfall on that. I know that that was a great idea. Good time. Uh, actually, somebody hit a dive and went for a pin. That was amazing to me. Um, I thought the, I thought the 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 EO Sky spot on Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch had the armbar, and EO went for the the went for a uh, her elbow, and Becky got her knees up and caught her in the armbar. The disarmor was pretty cool. I love the storytelling that they were doing with Bailey taking the hit for everybody. Damage goal. She shoved. Who she shove out of the way to get a spear? She shoved somebody to take a spear from Charlotte, and she got nailed with the spear. Nailed. Um, then turned around. Um, you had um, what was it? Um, um, then you you uh, damage control this time is wiped out. Um, and then Becky Lynch, they all hit their finishers on Bailey, and then Bailey gets um, gets manhandled, slammed through a table. And I will let you know this right now: that was one of the worst. That finish, so, I hate the finish was smart, but the way she went through the table, it looked so like okay, on the count of three, go. Okay, ready? One, two, three. There was nothing. There was nothing. Of course, very good session. Thanks, baby. Um, my love of my life, send me a text message. Saying good luck on the session because she told me for lunch. But I told her I had to record, so I'm sacrificing my lunch time with my girl. Um, sa- sacrifice my time. Um, that being said, uh, back to what I was saying, the, the way that the finish was set up, it just did not work well. It didn't work well enough, in my opinion, for whatever reason. Um, I thought that it was sloppy, just put it that way. But I get what they were doing. But the right team won. Obviously, Bailey took the blunt for everybody's finishes. Damage she took the pin, and of course, Damage Control is going to blame her for getting beat, and they're going to turn on Bailey. Um, I feel like Dakota Kai is becoming the leader of that group, and I like that idea. I know she's nursing the injury, so we couldn't have the five on five. But overall, I thought it was a good opener to the pay per view. Match kind of was was sluggish at first, and then it got hot at the end. So yeah. Second match of the night was the match I was most excited to see was Gunther and Miz for the Intercontinental title. And I'm not going to talk about the pro, the promos, the Ruffles, Chips thing, the Slim Jam. I'm getting to the wrestling part and, of course, the ending of the show. Um, I thought the Miz and Gunther match was damn good. I thought I thought it would be match of the night, but obviously I think it was. And I'd be honest, I think it was match of the night. Um, both guys busted their ass in the ring. I thought they both told a great story. Miz is a, he's a heel, but the crowd's behind him because they're tired of Gunther's bullshit. You get behind it. Um, the chops that we had, the chops that you saw, uh, were brutal. Gunther, old school wrestling. Um, the Miz did a turnbuckle spot, I think it was, and he hit Gunther with a low blow, hit a skull crushing fly. So he's a heel doing heel tactics, but he's but people are tired of Gunther. They want to see somebody beat him, and the crowd popped thought he was going to win, and Gunther kicked out. Um, Gunther hit a splash that was bogus as shit, but it was kind of set up, and he went for a Boston Crab, and Miz tapped out. 
Uh, the crowd was thought Miz was going to get another false finish, and they, they denied him, and it was a great match. Good finish. Um, Gunther is amazing in the ring. Miz is a damn good hand. I'm not the biggest Miz fan, but I respect him. Um, in my opinion, the Miz has done a great job. Miz has lost more matches than he's won this year, and he went in there with arguably the, one of the best in-ring workers in the business, and he also, Miz has been doing this, and people are acting like surprised. Miz has been doing this shit for 20 years. He's had a hell of a career, and he's a Hall of Famer. Now, Gunther has not even touched the surface on how great he is going to become when he becomes a world champion. I'm very excited for Gunther's future as a world champion. That being said, there are some things that I wish were done differently with him. And what I mean by that is, it's getting to a point where you're thinning your roster out who's going to defeat him. Now, everybody says it's Chad Gable. Um, I think you have to go with Chad to keep Chad's credibility because Chad did create a promo saying, I swear to God that I will beat you for that world title. When you're a babyface, as a fan of this 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 sport or professional wrestling, when you're a babyface, you say that, you better fucking win. If not, the fans will lose all interest in you. But not being said, if Chad Gable ain't the guy, there are two people that I would consider that I think could beat Gunther for the, the, the Intercontinental Championship and get a good rub. I think Jey Uso is on fire right now. I think he's a good component. And I think Sami Zayn beating Gunther would be a hell of a story to tell. But I think Chad Gable is going to be the guy. And I think Gunther will drop that title at WrestleMania. I think he will drop it at WrestleMania, and that will be the final one on that. But good match. The next match on the card was Santo Escobar versus Dragon Lee. And I like what they're doing. They're giving Santo Escobar a little edge. You know, him and Ray are going to work together at WrestleMania. Dragon Lee is a guy that was not really known on WWE's radar until he showed up on AEW television and WWE signed him right then and there because Tony Khan did not give the guy a contract. Um, both guys had a great Lucha Libre style match. They told a great start. Santo Escobar has great facials and great, um, great facials and he has good presence in the ring for his size. He knows where to go. He knows where to be. He In his eyes, he his eyes tell the story and that's one thing I will say about him I love that about Santos Escobar Dragon Lee is really good man too if you like Lucha Libre style matches this was good I was kind of getting a little worried because I was getting wrestlers and then that powerbomb spot by Dragon Lee was awesome he came unglued on that spot I thought it was great. I thought the finish was awesome, and Santos got the lead. One, two, three. I wish they would give these guys another five, ten minutes, because I think they were getting the crowd into it. But I get the WWE's been trying to get their pay-per-views between three to four hours long to try and keep it simple. So I thought that was really good. Um, but Santos got the win, like they should. The next match, the women's, the World's Women's Championship match, Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. Like the promo package they did for that match, um, Zoe Stark came out. Not really no crowd reaction, but I kept saying Rhea, she just needs a shine moment. She's got a lot of ability. Rhea Ripley comes out, and the people go crazy. She is a star. I thought both girls uh, worked extremely hard. It was a very physical match. Um, Zoe Stark is really good off the ropes, man. She can fly through the air with the best of them, and she did a lot of good things. Um, you look at... Um, Rhea Ripley, she has good placements. She has good movement. When she was mounting and pounding on Zoe, I thought that was like, wow. Like, that was just bam, 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 bam. Like, it was good storytelling. Um, Rhea avoided her finisher. Zoe avoided her finisher. They had some top road spots. Um, there was a couple things, but overall, Rhea got hit rip-tied. Hit, and won. Rhea Ripley won this match off a counter, a headbutt, and a, I think it was a kick or a headbutt, and then hit Riptide 1, 2, 3. 
Simple. You ain't got to do complex finishers in championship matches like this match. Just get the match where you need to go, and they did a good job. Zoe, Zoe did a good job of, of doing what she needed to do, and Rhea did what she had to do. Rhea's over right now. They're not going to take the belt off her. Obviously, we're going to get Becky Lynch and Rhea somewhere down the line. That is going to happen, and I can't wait for that. And Zoe start going forward. Just keep working, girl. You're going to get a break eventually. You're very talented in the ring, and I think you got a chance, girl. Just hang in there. Now, main event time. Men's War Games. Team Cody versus Judgment Day. I will state this with Drew McIntyre. I didn't know what to expect with this match. Um, the crowd was into it. Very physical match, I thought, um, from the most part. But we all knew we were waiting. We were waiting for Randy Orton's return. And it they set it up perfectly. The whole Randy's not here yet. We don't know if he's going to show up. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the Judgment Day are working. They're getting their heat on everybody, and they're laying guys out with their finishers. And then Damian Priest signals for, um, gosh, uh, Rhea to come down with the Money in the Bank pre- briefcase. He's going to cash in in War Games. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you hear, I hear voices in my head. They talk to me. They, they talk to me. And it's Randy Orton's theme. He comes out, and Orton is jacked. He looks great physically. He looks, and the crowd goes crazy. Of course, St. Louis is only four hours, I think for three or four hours from Chicago, which is awesome for Randy because Chicago loves Randy Orton. Orton comes in, and he does the same. as He shuts the door. The, the, match, be, the match begins again, the war games, where pinfall submissions matter. Orton does his signature clotheslines, his power slams, makes his comeback, and then all of a sudden, Everybody takes everybody out. Um, also, I will point out Jay Uso and, and uh, Jay Uso is over, and I love the interaction with him and Drew McIntyre. And I think this Drew bitterness about not getting his shine, blah blah blah, is really good. I like it. it's good shit. Um, but the RKO's Dominic got Randy teased everybody who's going to RKO Jay Uso. Jay Uso took the super kick Damian Priest for him, and then of course Randy hits an RKO on Dominic Mysterio. They do the J.D. McDonough spot, the RK off the top. Cody Rhodes hits the crossroads on Damon Priest, hits the one, two, three, and that's it. Um, one, two, three, <clears throat> and it's over. And I'm thinking, okay. And, of course, you know, everybody on Twitter is going, there's no big return of CM Punk, you know, no return, nothing's going to happen. And I saw the crowd pan away, and then I heard the audio go from the way it was to a little louder, and then... Bam, you hear that stack, and the Cult of Personality theme comes on, the new remaster version, which is really badass. And, of course, CM Punk walks out of Chicago, and the place goes fucking crazy. We go off air with some highlights. So I think it was just Survivor Series, in my opinion, on a, like an, a 1 to 10 level, I think it's a solid 8.5 show. I think there was something, or an 8 show. I think there were some things that they could have fixed, but I did enjoy the show. WWE has not had a bad, bad pay-per-view all year long at all. All year long, um, the here's my thoughts on the CM Punk thing, though. Obviously, he is a big star in this business today. He's going to draw ratings. The fact that WWE pulled the plug and brought back, and also I love the arch our truth being back to his grave, but to bring back Randy Orton, and then less than ten minutes later, you bring back, you bring back the. Uh, uh, what's this? You bring back CM Punk is impressive, in my opinion. Very impressive, in my opinion, and I am very, very happy with the way it sounds. Um, 
great job on all fronts to for Triple H and company to pull this off to get him back. Um, you look at what WWE's doing right now. You look at the three guys they've signed from AEW that worked there full-time. Not Dragon Lee, but I'm saying Drew. And, and also, look at what they're done with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and Lexus, T- Lexus, Lexus King in NXT. The three big people they signed. They signed Cody Rhodes away, who's a former EVP. He's now the hottest babyface in the business. Jay Cargill, they've treated like a superstar. She's going to be massive when she makes her in-ring debut. She is going to be over. She's already over. They've treated her like she's a big star already. Then you turn around and you sign CM Punk in Chicago. Here's my thing. I have to take a swig of that tea. Here's my thing. To be in that position and to pull what they off and what AEW's lost, Tony Khan looks like an idiot right now. AEW's not dead in the water. No, 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 no. They're not dead in the water. But I'll let you know, are they taking in water? If things don't get, don't be taken, if they're taking in water right now on their boat, the Titanic, I hate to use that analogy, but it's looking like it just a little bit, just a little bit. They're starting, it's, they're getting close to the iceberg, man. They got to get away from it because, yes, they just signed Will Ospreay. But there's a lot of things that Tony Khan's doing I don't like. I see a lot of TNA 2010, 2010-ish, and I see a lot of WCW 2000 with AEW. There's some good thing, and in fact, it's overshadowed in a lot of what they're doing. CM Punk's going to be on Raw tonight, and I'm recording this on a Monday, and this will be dropping Wednesday. He's going to be on Raw tomorrow night, and it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic show. Fantastic show. And I'm excited. To see what he's going to do. The first hour of Raw is going to be commercial free. So I think Punk's going to kick off Raw tonight. They're not going to wait till the main event hour. They're going to bring him out right now. And have him come out there and talk. So. Punk said. Triple H said best in the press conference. Like I'm a different guy than I was 10 years ago. So was he. And I really believe that they're going to do the right thing. And this is going to work this time. Because I think Punk knows. He, I'm 45 years old man. I'm not getting any younger. This is probably my last shot. He wants to write the redemption story and write what he wants to do. Do the right thing. He needs to come out and he needs to do his promo and do a great job. And I think he's going to knock it out of the park. And I cannot wait to see what happens. It's all that matters to me. And I can't wait. Can't wait to hear what's going to happen. And that's a fact. I'm excited um, for what they're going to do. Wrestling's at an all-time high. The highest has been in a long time. I just wish AEW's attendance was better, and I wish they were doing some things. They're doing, and they're doing some good things. I like what they're doing with Edge. He's always going to be Edge of me and Christian. I like what they're doing. Um, I don't. I think MJF's booking's getting a little sloppy, to be honest with you. I like the Continental Classic Challenge. I hope Swerve wins that. But they're doing some things I like. And I think they're 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 doing some good things, but the problem is their negativity. I mean, the young bucks are going away, and they're talking about Meltzer's reporting that they're going to be a um, <clears throat> they're going to be a um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're going to be come back and be a, be a, have a heel group, and all their backstage problems they're going to bring to life. But the problem is the one guy they had the most backstage problems with are is now on the opposite programming. Uh, I like Collision a lot. I mean, it was built around CM Punk, and that show is basically falling on its ass. But outside of that, man, um, AEW has 
lost a lot of its steam. They have not grown their audience at all. And that's why their attendance is failing. They have to grow their audience. If they don't grow their audience, they're in trouble. Because these half-empty arenas are going to start being a problem where they can't shoot around any of these arenas. They have to, have to figure this out. If I was AEW, go to smaller buildings and just pack them in and just do a great television taping at in a full arena. That's all you got to do. But yeah, man, I'm not um, I'm not jumping off the bandwagon one, but I'm really starting to be concerned. I am. All right. That being said, we got to talk a little boxing before. And also, I will make this say this. This does make Tony Khan look bad because he let Jungle Jack Perry let he let Jungle Boy Jack Perry lose his biggest star because he was in fear for his life. Tony Khan, this one's on you, bro. Because you mishandled that whole situation. Think about it. If Jungle Jack Perry does not run his mouth, and if the Young Bucks and Omega want to sit down and make a meeting, want to sit down, and they didn't fuck around with Punk in London the way they did, CM Punk would have been on collision last on Saturday night. He wouldn't have been in Chicago at Survivor Series. Think about that one. So, what are our thoughts this past weekend of the Dave Benavides and the, uh, the uh, Demetrius Andrea fight and how Jamal Charlo looked, or Jamal, whichever one it is. Um, first off, I want to say this. I thought Charlo looked really good for a guy that's been out of the ring for a while. He did a great job. Uh, he seems like he's gotten his shit together. He fought a great fight against, a, uh, against Jose Benavides Jr. He did a great job in that fight. His jab was working. His counterpunch was great. His combinations looked smooth. Charlo looked good. He looked really good. Uh, the, they call Dave Benavides the Mexican monster for a reason, guys. The guy is just unworldly with his power. His power is incredible to the point of, yeah, just incredible. I mean, he hit Demetrius Andre in the second round with that right hook. I thought, man, Demetrius Andre is hitting him, but Dave being his pressure on him, and he stopped the fight. Um, I thought that. I thought Benavides would go to the decision. I didn't think he'd knock him out. I didn't think he'd stop him. And he stopped him. So that shows. Um, Canelo Alvarez, I got a lot of respect for you, but you got to fight Dave Benavides or you got to fight Charlo. You got to fight either one of these guys. It's time. You've got to fight one of these guys. Now, I know the rumor is that Canelo's going to have another fight and then Benavides is next. Dave Benavides is not going to fight nobody else but Charlo. He has no re- he he has nothing to fight. He may fight Charlo next. Or he needs to fight. Look, he took care of Caleb Planet, even though Planet, even though Caleb Planet lost to Canelo, and he fought Demetrius Andre and beat him. He's got to fight Canelo. Canelo has to fight this guy. He's got to fight him. It's time. That is the biggest boxing question. We saw Crawford and Spence. You know, we're gonna get Fury and Usyk. Anthony Joshua and Water looks like that's gonna happen if Water and Joshua win their next two their next fights. But this is the fight that everybody's talking about because it's big. Because there's a lot of Latinos out there that want this fight. And my big white ass wants it because I'm a boxing fan. But the Latino culture wants this mega fight. They want this fight and they deserve it. Boxing fans around the world deserve it. If Dave Benavidez can put that pressure on like he did against Demetrius Andre. And Canelo's no Demetrius Andre. Demetrius Andre is no Canelo. Canelo. Canelo is a different species. But if, if Dave Benavidez comes out there and he kicks ass. And he pushes through, and he can stand his ground, and he can wobble Canelo a little bit, which is going to be hard because Canelo's got a chin. He's got a shot. It's the one fight I want to see. And I'm going to put my money on, on Dave Benavides to beat Canelo in that fight. I really am. 
And what's my thought on the states of boxing? I think it's it's turned a corner a little bit. We've had some great fights this year. I think we've had some, but we had arguably one of the worst fights I've ever seen was Shakur Stevenson's last fight. It's pathetic how bad that fight was. Um, I'm sick and tired of the heavyweight drama. I think the heavyweights need to fight each other and get it over with. But overall, I think 2024, we're going to see some boxing that I'm going to be very excited about. All right. So I got some fan questions. I got some fan questions now, finally, and we're going to run through these real quick, and I'm going to get you guys out of here. Unanimously, what topics, um, I'm sorry, this is what the what, what topics would we like to just be discussing on the podcast? First one was asked, thoughts on the Lions versus Packers halftime show? Well, everybody knows me, knows I'm a Jack Harlow fan, because Jack Harlow's from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, loves Louisville, loves the state of Kentucky. I got a lot of love for Jack. I will state this from the bottom of my heart. I love Jack. That halftime show was bad. <laughs> it was bad, man. I, I mean, I can't, I can't say anything worse than what it was. Um, I thought it was horrible. I thought it was bad, and I yeah, set up everything. And I think Jack did it as best what he had, but it, it just didn't click. If I wanted to go next question, if I wanted to go live with you on Facebook, would it be possible? I host a podcast too. Yes. Um, I am open to that as long as we go on the same page of what we're talking about. I'm down for that. I think it'd be a great idea. Uh, just let me know who you are if you hear this. I am down for that. Absolutely. When is your YouTube channel coming out, bro? So this is probably somebody that knows me real well. Okay. I plan on dropping the YouTube channel many times. I've tried this year to get off the ground. I couldn't get off the ground. I have the equipment. I have everything set up. Me and the girlfriend are working on well, fiance, wife, whatever. She's my she's my love of my life. We have been working on this for a while. I will state this: January and February is looking like a good possibility. Um, I hope to have that out there for you by then, and that would be the main thing that I am extremely looking forward to is we get that YouTube channel locked and loaded because I want to be a part of the YouTube community. Community, 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 and put good movie reviews and stuff out there for you guys. Thoughts on Melissa being fired? Now, obviously, we're talking about, that's the next question, about the Scream 6 drama, 7 drama, whatever it is. Uh, I talked about it last week on the podcast, and I stand 10 toes down on it. I think it's a crock of shit. She did nothing wrong. Um, and I'm and Jenna Ortega said, well, I can't, um, I'm going to be busy. She's staying her ground on the Wednesday thing, and uh, I think there's more to that. And I'm proud of her standing for a co-host. And I hope Nev Campbell doesn't come back. I hope Scream and Spyglass get their get their heads out of their ass and figure it out. And I will state this again for the final time. For Spyglass, Pan's boycott and Spyglass's films, not all of them, those films deserve to be boycotted, so don't do that, please. And I got one more question, and I'll get you guys out of here. The change in the coaching staff with the Steelers. I've talked about that before. Um, I'm very, very happy with what they're doing. They've got two offense, co-offensive coordinators. I like the running back offensive coordinator side of things. I think he's got a chance. Um, I think they're going to hire an OC outside of things this offseason, go in a different direction. I think they need to go a little younger. I know Frank Wright just got fired from Carolina today, but um, depends on who they go with. I mean, I like what I saw yesterday. Is the offense for the Steelers completely fixed? No, but is it going in the right direction? I think so. So that's five questions. Um, I would like to thank every one of you guys for tuning in for my show this week. I apologize early for the cussing, but I had to get some things off my chest. That being said, I will make it real, real clear to you, like always, as I close the show out. I don't bullshit. 
I just tell it like it is straight up. Have a good one, y'all.